1: Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table.
0: Okay, welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am John, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Jalen. Jalen, it is always good to see you um uh to see you through the screen i might add because i think just this past week i was able to hang out and see you uh, a little bit since i was back home in chicago but you know in the three days since we last no actually maybe more than that five days since we last saw one another in person how have you been uh what's what's going on in the the chan household
1: yeah we are now we've just started basketball season for our oldest and so he had his first game Last night, which was fun. He's now the starting point guard for the JV team as a seventh grader, which is fun. And also for him, really scary. I think he's pretty undersized as a seventh grader. Like for context, when I was a seventh grader, I wrestled in high school, in junior high, in middle school. And I was there was nobody else in my weight class because <laughs> I was so small. I had to jump up a weight class. Mm. Um, but he's like that, like he's got my genes for sure. So he's like really small for a seventh grader. And he's very like tentative when he's on the court. And so I, during the game, like I am, I found myself like in my mind, I'm encouraging him, but I'm yelling at him to like oh, no. be strong with the ball. Right. So I realized like I can quickly and easily become that dad that is like mm-hmm. getting on their child, they getting on their son. So I am, uh, he has another game tonight. I need to dial that down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm thankful, like after the game, we had a really good. he was, he was in high spirits, even though they got crushed. Um, and you know, it was fun just to be, you know, just to watch him and, uh, it was exciting. And because it was his first game, we had our other four kids there watching. They were totally tuned out. They're like, "No, this is not fun to watch, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, it was good. Uh, we had a great time and, uh, but it's a busy season, you know, just with the Mm -hmm. the oldest one Mm -hmm. in basketball and then our, our, the, the the other two the two next boys are doing volleyball in the park district right now so we're just like shuttling kids back and forth and um yeah just lots of stuff going on but it's a fun time uh it's a it's a it's a fun week in our household so yeah uh, but it was great to see you last week we spent a lot of time together we did. Uh, maybe we could have spent more time together but uh mm-hmm. it was it was good how are you doing how is how has the last few days been since we last saw each other
0: yeah no, i'm Uh, I'm good you know I made it home uh, a couple days ago and uh, back to California a couple days ago, Uh, but the trip was it was a blast Uh, for context for our listeners, I think this episode probably going to come out in January sometime. Um, But right now, it is the beginning of December, so I was home for Thanksgiving and uh, spent a week in Chicago hanging out with my family hanging out with you guys hanging out with um, friends and yeah it was it was really good. a few things like it was the first time my mom was home for Thanksgiving, um, right. like 10 years from Hong Kong. And um, so that was really good. Actually, I think she was home one time, but the one year she was back, I was in Hong Kong. And so um, just being able to do that together with my family was a real joy. And then another highlight for me was, um, I actually went out to visit my old youth group in Wheaton and hung out with them Saturday night. And uh, I actually went to church the next day too there. And that was my first time back in three since my last day um so it was a joy to worship with them and to hang out with the youth group so yeah good times but now i'm back back uh in california back at at church and you know anytime you take a break or vacation i feel like right when you get back there's just this rush the first like day or two to get back up to speed and caught up because even though you were gone ministry didn't stop and work didn't stop so i feel like that's kind of been the last couple of days for me but otherwise i'm doing well
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's Advent season too. Right. So that just adds to the, uh, to the busyness. How, I didn't realize you went back to Wheaton um, on Sunday for, for worship. Mm -hmm. How did, how did, how did that go? Like, what was the,
0: was there like a warm reception? (laughs) Yeah. It was was good. I went out to lunch with some of the the college boys um, who actually had been high schoolers when I, when I left. Um, So that was, yeah, that was good. A lot of fun seeing everyone. I think people were pretty surprised to see me. I didn't tell anyone I was coming back or only the youth group knew because they saw me the night before. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, because of COVID and actually not just COVID, but the church like did some renovation um, in the last few years. And so all of my previous trips, they either haven't had service or I didn't have a car um, to make it out to the suburbs from the city. And so this was actually my first chance to go visit, but it was good. It was good to see everyone. Yeah.
1: Well, we're excited today to have uh, a special guest with us. Sabrina Chan is the National Director of Asian American Ministries with InterVarsity, and she's just recently written a book, Learning Our Names, and so we're excited to have her on, have her share a little bit about that. But
0: Sabrina, so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, thanks for having me, y'all.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Sabrina. Um, you know, we always love to start off, especially with the guest who's on for the first time, just hearing a little bit about your ministry journey, um, how God called you into full-time ministry. Um, and so what what does that look like for you? Yeah,
2: it's a, it's a good question. It made me reflect a little bit today. Um, just, uh, yeah, so I grew up going to church. My parents came to faith in grad school um, when they were recent immigrants, um, and I, so I grew up going to church, both um, a white church, a mostly white church, I mean, almost completely white church, and a Chinese church um, in high school, um, but kind of walked away from the faith, late high school, early college, um, came back to the faith in college, partly through the Ministry of university, and um, really loved, loved leading as a student leader in ministry and stuff like that, and had considered coming on staff, got to go overseas for um, uh, a, a mission trip uh, that was pretty um, influential. And then had wanted to uh, join, do full-time ministry right after that with university, but my parents weren't very excited about that. Hmm. Um, and they actually said, no, um, we don't want you to do that. Um, I, had, I had studied electrical engineering, so got an engineering job, worked as an engineer for a couple of years, um, and came back to them and said hey I'm still interested um, and at that point you know my parents were more open they were like well we don't think it's a bad idea but we don't think we can't say we excited about it but we're not going to say no and you know part of the reasoning I think was they wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a I loved college and I want to keep you know kind of that that Life. Um, I also think they wanted to make sure that I could establish myself and like. Um, I think they were concerned for my financial security, right? So as university sure. staff, we all raise support and some of those things. So, I think they wanted to make sure, like, okay, can she, you know, pay off the student loans and establish, like, you know, as an engineer? But it was hard to wait. I'll be honest; it was really hard a couple of years because I had a couple of friends, a bunch of friends actually, who joined staff at that point or were sort of more classically quote unquote pursuing their dreams, right? And I was trying to honor my parents and um all these things. In in retrospect, that was um I think it was pretty crucial two years. It was really hard, but I'm really glad that uh at least for me that I did that um partly because when things in ministry got hard, then I could look back and say like I I, I don't have to wonder what would it have been like if I'd just been an engineer? Like I kind of know what it was like, you know. So, so for my temperament and my personality and my growth, I think that was really important for me, even though it was very painful. Um, yeah. So when I came on staff with university, um, they were in the process of uh, in relationship with a uh, Asian American fellowship at UT. I was actually mostly Chinese American, um, called Chinese Bible Study at UT Austin. I'm sorry, I'm so Texas centric. Um, and uh, so they uh, that was my first assignment so staffed that fellowship for several years it was it was amazing um, a lot of a lot of things I learned just about um ministry it was like the most Chinese American setting largest Chinese American setting I'd been in right it's like 250 students right and so larger than my church back home and um but really fun really fun um and then you know I continued in ministry. Um, always pretty involved with Asian American ministries leadership team within university. Um, and then, but not my like official, official job at that point, um, moved to California, uh, finished my degree at Fuller. Um, Oh, actually I forgot to mention, I got ordained back at my church in Texas, um, which was significant because for me that felt like that's actually when I felt like I was committing to full-time ministry, um, as far as I could tell for life, right. It was like, I think this is what I'm called to. I mean, you know, God could change that, but that's what ordination meant for me at that point. Um, Moved to California, finished my seminary degree, uh, met my husband, met my now husband. Um, And then, you know, around that time, this role opened up a little bit later um, for national Asian American director. And I had been involved a lot um, in Asian American work and it felt like a, a great next step, a place that I wanted to, Um, I had hopes, had dreams for what I want to see Asian American ministries grow in. Um, so that's been about five years, um, which feels, I don't know, I think pandemic time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like confusing. I'm like, really? Has it been five years? Um, but it's been, it's been a delight. It's been great. So I've been in ministry 21 years, I think, uh, Mm -hmm. since I officially like joined full-time staff. Um, so that's, yeah, that's just a little bit of like the, the sketch.
1: Yeah, we mentioned that you've recently uh, co-authored this book, Learning Our Names. And I would imagine that part of this, part of the writing of this book comes from not just your experience, but your hopes um, in in your role as the National mm. Director for the Asian American Ministries. Could you share a little bit about your passion, your intent behind the book, uh, even where that the name, Learning Our Names comes from?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, when I first took the role, I was like, You know, it's been there was a book that came out in the 90s, late 90s, called uh, Following Jesus Without Dishonoring Our Parents um, that uh, had been really helpful for me, especially actually around that uh, conversation with parents about like staff or engineering or, you -hmm. know, that stuff like that. All that stuff was so helpful. Um, But it'd been like 20 years (laughs) and I was like, oh, it's about time. Like, we should probably have a new book. And that book was mostly written. It was on all East Asian writing team. Chinese, Korean, Japanese. Um, And so I felt like, oh, it's time to have a new book. And I think we need to you know, have different voices, represent different aspects of Asian America. So it was pretty intentional to try and choose um, an Indian American, Hmong American, which is a a Southeast Asian ethnicity, um, and then uh, Filipino American uh, friends Mm -hmm. to write with me. Um, But yeah, some of the hopes, I would say, it was like, how do we help Asian Americans, this generation of Asian Americans discern what it means to follow Jesus, you know, knowing that, um, every community, every uh, Christian in, in different time periods, in different contexts has to figure out what does that look like in this season, in this place, um, with my background, etc. Um, so some of those things, but also I think to help, um, so this is like before the pandemic. This is like 2017, 2018 as I'm putting the team together. Um is it 2019? Yeah, 2017, 2018. Um uh and we started writing in 2018, 2019, but already saying, like, you know, I think I think the broader church, so I'm just talking about more than just Asian Americans, the broader church doesn't really know Asian Americans, like they, they you know there was that study there was that survey that went out like public like not church wise but just in general like pe- like half the people couldn't name a famous Asian American or something mm. like that like mm. you know and then after that it was like Jackie Chan and I don't remember who the other maybe it was Bruce Lee I don't remember but like somebody else right like it was like oh man it's mm. depressing so like in the church right it feels like oh people don't people don't know us and then also it felt like there's just not a lot of resources for mm. us mm-hmm. either right like for us that represent who we are and aren't trying to confuse like, you know, Asians in Asia with Asian America, you know what I mean? Like, um, and yeah, there's like a plenty of crossover in some ways, but um, so wanting to get space for those kinds of voices um, mm-hmm. I think trying to write and help bridge some of what, you know, because I think, especially in the church, like because they're a lot of immigrant churches, right? They're very connected to home cultures and home countries. There's less identification with what does it mean to be Asian American, um, but that's pretty important for folks who are growing up here, or born here, or fourth and fifth generation, right? Or just even. Um, so just try and articulate some of that, which you find in like that first three chapters, we're trying to articulate, like, what does Asian American mean? Like, what are, mm-hmm. what does that mean to us? What does it not mean? Right. It's like kind of squishy. Right. Um, and what does that mean for us as we're following Jesus, as we engage racialization, some of those things. Um, yeah. But yeah, really trying to, sorry, this is a long answer, but like really trying to like think about what are key um, discipleship questions we have. Can we, can we speak into that? Um, can we talk about like, um yeah what are the issues of justice that we're thinking about how do we think about like Mm -hmm. model minority and perpetual foreigner and stuff like that so Mm. yeah just trying to and and really trying to put stories out there i think we weren't trying to say like this is how you absolutely have to follow jesus as an asian-american right Mm -hmm. but more like Mm -hmm. can we put out some stories share our stories share our friends stories of like what discernment has looked like yeah um to just to just i think some of what y'all are trying to do right like create venues for people's stories to be out there because I think when you don't sometimes you don't hear like you know the stuff that's out there Christian publishing it's great but it doesn't really connect as much you know mm-hmm. Christian podcasts, whatever it, when you hear something that's more close to home it like hits different right mm-hmm. and so right. um given that space
0: yeah no I, I love that I love how uh especially in the last you said 20 years since the last book I think came out that you guys have expanded, you know, I guess the repertoire of voices that you're trying to represent, trying to um, engage with and uh, really help people understand, like this is a a pretty vast, diverse cultural group. Um, If you can, yeah, I guess multiple multicultural group. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I love that uh, being able to read from different people's perspectives. You know, I think one of the things for, you know, for Jalen and I with this podcast is that we did intend for the podcast to um, uh, really address the needs of like the Chinese Heritage Church. And this is the background that all three of us are familiar Mm -hmm. with and have spent time with. Um, But we also know that over the last couple of years doing this podcast, we've had people that were not from that background because there Mm. are voices we need to, to, to hear from um outside of our context and so i guess my question for you is you know when you think about the chinese heritage church and the opportunity for church leaders pastors or even lay people young people maybe who are Mm -hmm. um, exploring their identity like what are your hopes specifically for the chinese heritage church in the way that they might engage with um, this book and with what you guys are writing about
2: yeah no that's a great question i hope i hope folks can engage it as for what it is you know we're not like like I was just saying earlier like we're not trying to offer like a 10-point framework or you know like that kind of uh writing but these are stories and um maybe even testimonies right of the ways God's worked and offering some some possible paths forward um when I think about Chinese heritage well as we were writing the book, as we were, it was a long process. <laughs> like we thought it would be kind of fast, but then the pandemic hit and everything was like just hard. But, uh, you know, as in the midst of the process, I realized that for me, at least one audience that I didn't realize I was until I, until we were well into the writing process that I was thinking about was, um, and maybe this is common. I'm realizing like, this is, I was kind of writing for myself, right. Towards in, in early college. Like I was, I was thinking about folks who are maybe deconstructing their faith or felt feeling like, Oh, I don't know about church. Like there's just too much stuff. Like, um, I don't know if it's okay to get political for a minute, but like, you know, with, with Trump winning the election in 2016 with, with so much white evangelical support, I think, I think that's been really hard for, um, people of color, Asian Americans, Chinese Americans, some of us, you know, like, what does that mean about the church? And, um, but so I realized part of who I was thinking about was, oh, I hope, you know, for folks who are maybe in, um, from church context where, where maybe, um, this hasn't been addressed, like, I hope that our book can be a place to show, like, there's a way to engage um, our cultural identity, our racial identity, engage justice in the world as followers of Jesus, um, that those things don't have to be separate. Um, so I was just thinking particularly of people who like, maybe maybe this book could help catch some of those folks, you know, um, so that maybe they don't write off the church completely. <laughs> um, I think I think for other, you know, in terms of, Chinese Chinese heritage churches I think um the sections where um I was writing particularly in the race racialization chapter around um model minority and perpetual foreigner um so, so I'm describing sort of like the ways that Asian Americans get racialized so model minority being like um y'all are so great because you work hard and um you know are doctors and lawyers and engineers and like Um, don't don't ruffle any feathers perpetual foreigner being like y'all aren't real Americans right Um, they kind of feed each other I think some of us like are are excluded so much as foreigners that then the escape patch is like oh well if I'm I if I do this then they'll accept me right and I don't I don't ruffle any feathers I don't um, speak up too much I just work hard and contribute Um, I, I hope that that we can and 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 i'm preaching to myself too here so just to be honest y'all like i hope that we can continue to let go of the places where this mythical american dream um catch get, like i think sometimes we get tangled up in this mythical american dream of like oh okay well then you know my parents and my grandparents or great-grandparents moved here and um i'm going to get the best education i can so i can get the best job i can so i can marry well have kids and give them the best things ever like that's not a bad aspiration like it's not bad to want things but um i think we sometimes settle for materialism or settle yeah. for comfort you know and again i'm preaching to myself here like i want my kids to have good things you know i don't want them to be uncomfortable uh, well actually I want them to be a little uncomfortable I want them to have to like work some like I've been thinking about that I'm like oh, you don't have to do as many chores as I did when I was a kid I gotta figure that out <laughs> you know but that's different that's just like you know teaching kids stuff like that but um, I think sometimes we settle for for a materialism or like a a, a comfort that um, and we miss out I think on on what God's really invited us into in terms of like thinking about um civic engagement um, thinking about um you know what God wants to do in our communities and and in our um in our churches yes but also in our schools and in our workplaces and in our um, cities um yeah I, I don't want us to miss out um that's not like a full as, as I'm talking about that I'm like I think that shows up in the book. I don't think there's like one chapter that really like goes after that completely, but um, that's a hope I have.
1: Yeah, and that's certainly I think a challenge for a lot of us, second gen and beyond, not just seeking that comfort or materialism for ourselves because it's it's good or we want those things, but in some ways too, it feels like it's an obligation because of what our immigrant parents have done. Right, right. We feel that we feel the burden of. We've got to fulfill the dreams of our immigrant right. parents, and right. so there's that obligation. So, yeah, certainly it's it's multi layered, absolutely, right? and and it it can easily become the the driving force of our lives. It can be, yeah. like you said, it it can easily become an idol, and that's something yeah. that I think as as church leaders in the Chinese Heritage Church, we need to be mindful of. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah, in the way that we lead, in the way that we you know preach and teach, like we have to be. I think. I think it's important for us to be faithful in, in pointing those things out and being prophetic in those ways to help mm-hmm. our congregations, um, recognize those things and identify those things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I guess maybe one nuance to add would be like, I'm not saying like you can't be an engineer and live in the suburbs and follow Jesus. That's not it at all. Like, right. um,
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have a church if that was
2: right. Yeah, because I I was—I think what I'm thinking is that I was like, I think you can do the same things, but for different motivations. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it might look different on the outside, right? Like, so you know, people go into ministry all the time for the wrong reasons, right? Like they like, oh, I'm doing the good thing, but actually, like it's all of like how it looks on the outside or competition or whatever. Um, And you know, I think there are plenty of engineers you know, living in the suburbs. I'm just picking on that for a minute. Cause I was an engineer, but like who are doing amazing things for God's kingdom with how they steward their finances, with how they mm. volunteer at their kid's school, with how they are like, you know, um serving on the board of uh whatever ministry or like, you know, like all these different things, you know? So I'm not trying to prescribe, like, you know, everybody has to move overseas or, or something like that. Like, I, I I just want us to be thoughtful, you know, and, and intentional. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I think of, you know, there are several people in my own church who just came to mind specifically Mm. engineers living up here in the (laughs) Northern (laughs) suburbs of Chicago. And I'm very grateful for their, their sacrifice and their, Mm -hmm. and their commitment to the Lord. You know, it's it, like you said, it's not wrong for us to necessarily pursue those things. Right. Um, yeah, but if it becomes the the thing, then it's the problem. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things that I think you know what drives a lot of the immigration is is that pursuit of the American dream. Mm. Uh, in chapter ten uh, of this book, you you you, you note that Asian Americans are the fastest growing racial group in the United States, um, and with that means it's a huge mission field right here in our backyards, yeah. um, in a lot of our cities and a lot of our suburbs now too. What specific opportunities and gifts do you think Chinese heritage churches have in reaching the lost with the gospel specifically, you know, distinctly as Chinese heritage churches?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, yeah, I I don't know if y'all experienced this growing up in, I don't know if y'all grew up in church, but growing up in church, I kind of knew there was like the church Chinese American kids, and then the kids at Chinese school that I knew didn't I didn't see a church you know what I mean or I would see mm-hmm. them at like the OCA event or like Chinese New Year thing or whatever um but because I only knew so many um I knew more of the church kids and then even going to college and becoming a part of fellowships and stuff like that like there were a lot of Chinese American Christians but um actually 52 percent of Chinese Americans would consider themselves religious nuns so they don't subscribe to any religion so that doesn't even count. Buddhist, Taoists, you know, other other faiths. Um, more than half. So I'm, I'm pulling from, um, oh, I forgot his co author, but Dr. Russell Jung co authored a book with, oh, I can't think of who it is, but it's called, now, see, I can't even think of the name of the book family ah i'm gonna have to look this up later so you can note it is it like family sacrifices anyway they did a study on chinese americans and religion which actually i would recommend if you haven't seen it um but that's the statistic from there i and i feel like um yeah the things we offer i mean like you know cultural cultural proximity is huge right so even if it's not chinese american communities there's other Asian American communities that um i think proximity right like just yeah. helps yeah. um understanding communal nature understanding like immigrant experiences um i do think it's hard sometimes to cross those language and cultural barriers too right cuz some of we we also have baggage from asia right like mm. there's there's real stuff there um but i think that's where if our churches could help bridge those things that's a really powerful witness right that's a that's an amazing thing so i think in one part of the book i might talk about like yeah what if what if there were um connections across communities right so like what if like um chinese church uh youth group connected with another uh church another ethnic church's community youth group um but even like you know what if because uh, Chinese Americans, we have a long history of being in the United States. Like, are there ways we could help um, smaller communities that are newer, you know, mm. um, connecting with smaller, um, whether it's churches or just even like uh, the refugee work that happens in different communities? I've wondered about that. I I, mm. I haven't been as connected to Chinese churches more um, as closely more recently, but I've wondered like, oh, could we could we connect with, um, you know, there's different organizations that help, um, bring refuge, help find refugees, places to live and all that kind of stuff. Like that, those would be amazing places of, of connection. Um, I think on the broader scheme of things, um, some of what I was just talking about are, um, our place in, in, um, justice work so stewarding our um both our history and some of our um privilege whether that's educational just time in the country economic um and when i say stewarding our history i'm talking about like you know chinese exclusion um and some of those Mm. things that some of us you know i didn't grow up learning about that stuff Mm. Um, i barely knew about the transcontinental railroad chinese american workers now thankfully I think there's a lot more resources for that now. So hopefully that kind of history is more available, but even, so folks like Mabel Ping-Hua Lee, who I actually learned about from Tim Sang, um, he's a historian. Um, she was, a uh, she fought for women's voting rights in New York city and was a Christian and actually has like a post office named after her in Chinatown, I think, um, which is really cool. But like, so we have a lot of history actually that, Um, I think being, for me being second generation, you know, my parents weren't as connected to the history. Um, but I think as I've, you know, learned more and thought more about racialization and some of those things, I think owning that history and, 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 um, being able to steward that, I think, I think that would, it would be amazing to see, to see us, um, to see us engage that more a few years ago um, in San Francisco uh, some of the university staff mostly Chinese yeah Chinese Americans for the most part hosted what we call the SF Chinatown program so invited Chinese American students to spend a week in Chinatown uh, in SF and had based on the connections of those staff to different um historic uh, Chinese American organizations and churches and just learned a lot about like, um, history, but also like what are the current issues? Um, we talked a lot about the, they got a chance to sort of see the single SROs. Is it single occupancy, single, single residence? Yeah, yeah. 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 I was like, what's that where well, you can stick your hand out and touch both sides right. and like so many people live in them, but that's like mm-hmm. the, the affordable place to live. So, it, so it was a lot of like connecting some of those things. So they've actually run programs like that now in, Houston and St. Louis through some university staff in those different places obviously they're different they're not as historic they don't go far as far back as SF but um there's things to learn about in those Asian American communities right because Chinatown Chinese people sure but then there's also other communities that come through there too right like Houston it's really kind of more like an Asia town now you know and um in places like St. Louis that are kind of less Asian-Americans. It is more like an Asia town too, but like, yeah, connecting and what are the justice issues? What are the spiritual needs of those communities? Um I don't know. Those have been really, those have been really neat things that have happened in different spaces.
0: Yeah. I love hearing about that. Um, But I just want to shift gears for a moment because, you know, we may be running out of time yeah, uh, yeah. for this episode. And in your book, you, um, you know, you address the topic of leadership a little bit Mm. and you know having served with Intervarsity now for for many years you have uh, been uh, a young leader and engaged with young leaders um next-gen leaders for for some time so what are some ways that you know um churches especially chinese heritage churches can really empower young leaders um and then maybe if you could just talk a little bit about just the topic of next generation leadership
2: when you say young leaders do you mean like uh what what age range are you talking about
0: uh in my capacity now at church that's basically anyone from like 12 to 30 but yeah i think yeah, yeah great. it could be it could be anything oh that's helpful
2: yeah because that's what i was thinking of i was like well, oh, i think it starts young actually like mm-hmm. there's ways to like empower our young people like like you're describing like middle school high school like to let to let people try stuff that 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 might be outside you know the the older leaders comfort zone a little bit but trying to let folks um try some things and help it like help it succeed right help help if it's an event or if it's a thing like um but i think that you know and 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 to help shape it right like i'm not saying like let everybody do whatever they want or whatever but I think those opportunities for someone to try something that's their idea, that even if it gets shaped in community and like with a couple other people, like the idea gets better and better, those kinds of things are are really formative and, and is what I think encourages folks to keep trying stuff, you know, like, because um, God is very creative, right? And maybe there's something new God wants to do in this season that might be. Now, of course, the older leaders often know, oh, we tried that you know, we tried that before and, you know, it didn't work. Sometimes we can be a wet blanket. I've been that before. Like we tried that before, but, 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 you know, maybe it didn't work for X, Y, or Z reasons and maybe it's a different day. I think you can still bring the, oh, we tried that. Here are some of the things we learned. What do you think we should, you know, do in that? Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. I will say, you know, we have a lot of students participate in university, varsity and then um, I think a conversation I had often in Texas, especially when I was working with that Chinese American fellowship, the conversation was always like, hey, our students don't come back um, to the Chinese church. So just, you know, and I I definitely was in a lot of conversations with pastors like, yeah, we're not trying to like, get them to leave or anything. Um, I think sometimes it was hard for them to come back because they would come back with new ideas. And, you know, sometimes it was on our alumni's fault. They didn't present them very well or they're very opinionated. So we're trying to help folks like, hey, you might think you're the best thing since sliced bread, but like, (laughs) hey, just like slow down, like Mm -hmm. just need to, you know, like, but I I also think sometimes folks weren't, weren't wanting to be open to like trying new things and, and that was hard. And so then the first one might feel like, oh, well, this isn't the right place or whatever. I will say in the last, since I've taken this job and worked with more staff and students, like there's a, I would say there's a um, stronger value for us as campus ministers in AAM, in Asian American ministries and intervarsity in connecting with um, immigrant churches and connecting with Chinese heritage churches. Like I wonder if there was a season in like Asian American church, parachurch world where some parachurch folks felt like oh well we we're doing it better or, we don't want to be you know like that yeah. kind of rebellious teenage stage but I feel like at least what I can speak for it, it, we're in a stage where like no there's actually a lot we really value and are grateful for and we want to be more connected we might not always know how to be so I think that's a challenge mm-hmm. um, that's from where I sit that's that's a challenge like um but but we want to be. And so I think we're trying to take steps into like, what does that look like? Like, cause 'cause we do. I I actually, that's my dream. That's one of my hopes is like that more of our alumni would go back to um, their home churches or or Chinese heritage churches in their new cities. I'm speaking specifically about Chinese American alumni and stuff. Um, I do think just to name, I do think sometimes um, churches that have a more conservative stance on women and leadership will have a hard time with that um, because- You know, mm. that is limiting. So, you know, whatever the church's stance is on that, I think figuring out how to empower women um and men, but um I think that's a that's a dynamic that has to be paid attention to for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that you know the when you mentioned allowing especially young leaders to fail, that's something that as Chinese heritage churches we're so averse to. Yeah. Right? We're so conditioned to. Like we're allergic to failure, and anytime mm. something remotely fails or doesn't go through the way we want it, we want to brush it under the rug and just keep mm. moving on. But I think mm. you're right. Like, especially in Chinese heritage churches, especially for leaders, we have to be willing to allow those spaces of learning and failure to happen, so that our young leaders can be empowered, so they can learn from those things. That's mm-hmm. if we're honest with ourselves. That's how we learned, right? And so yeah. if we can, if we can help our younger leaders. Um, uh to explore that um you know grieve with them but then also help them uh pick back up and and find that there's incredible grace you know from the lord and from his people in a chinese heritage church that's so helpful for for our young leaders
2: yeah no i totally agree well that requires vulnerability on our part too right to be able to share those stories of things that we like failed at or Mm. um but you know sometimes we don't want to revisit
1: right right (laughs) um but yeah well sabrina thank you so much for your time with us the last question that we always ask is uh what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in the chinese heritage church
2: yeah i i love that question um i think it's just encouragement um i feel like i mean i love what y'all are doing in terms of trying to provide conversation and resource and just like hey, we're in it too via this podcast, Um, because, you know, in the different opportunities I've had to connect with uh, Chinese heritage church pastors, whether that's Virginia, Texas, California, um, I do feel like sometimes it can be pretty lonely, you know, and um, so I I think my encouragement is just like, thank you, you know, thank you for the work you're doing. Um, I know sometimes it probably feels like is this working or, you know, I, I, have thought about that before, about my um, youth group leaders back at my um, Chinese church in Richmond um, when I was in high school, you know, like when I went away to college, like I don't know if they knew I was running away from the faith. um, But at one point, you know, if they knew that they could probably be like, oh man, did that work? You know what I mean? Like was our investment worth it at any, you know, or whatever. But I think I look back now, I actually just was at that church earlier this fall Um, since we moved back to Richmond and there was something special about being there and like I'm like of just like being in that same room where we did like youth group stuff or where I first led worship or just like you know and I'm sure I was not a good worship leader you know what I mean I don't even lead worship anymore y'all it's like too worship leading has gotten like way infinitely harder I feel like since Mm -hmm. since the 90s but like they let me try stuff right they let me try stuff. They, um, I remember I got to leave my first Bible study there when I was like, uh, in college and like, you know, I just am grateful, um, for their investment, um, their investment in me. Um, yeah. So it's so kind of like just encouragement of like, yeah, I know, I know sometimes it's like week in, week out, it can be kind of challenging. Like, what are we going to do? Or like this event didn't work or whatever, but like, I think, I think um, whether folks are able to see it then or later, they appreciate the investment and God does something with that Mm -hmm. investment. God does something with those prayers that are prayed. You know, I don't know how that all works, right? I'm not God, but I believe God does something with that. So Mm -hmm. I'm just grateful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good word. Sabrina, we really appreciate just you coming on the podcast with us and sharing your wisdom and um and hanging out with us today uh you know for our listeners we just want to make sure that they get the the name of your book um and oh, we just yeah. encourage them to check it out so it's learning our names on uh asian american christians on identity relationships and vocation so yeah thank you for hanging out with us today and uh we just we're praying that uh for your ministry with intervarsity and um just in the kingdom so thank you thanks thanks rena That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.